Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, guys. John, I'm a little mangled today. How are you even here in the room talking to us? I don't have a clue. It's a harrowing tale. Yeah. Um, so d- just a description. I have my two fingers yeah. taped, my two middle fingers taped together, <laughs> Right. Um, which is hilarious when I'm trying to do air, air quotes, quotes. Yeah. because it's like I'm clawing and people are like, that's not how you do air quotes. I'm like waving. Yeah. I'm like yeah. waving in the air. Um, By the way, I love that you do air quotes so much. Well, I that do. That's something that's an I issue like to for you. Quote, he's a good bartender. He's, a good bar- he's still a good boy. He's sti- still a good boy. Still, still a, a good boy. boy. Still a good boy. Still a good boy. Um, um, it, but it's a harrowing tale, what and you're happened? lucky I'm here. I know. You're I injured. almost died. <laughs> I literally, I caught a very, you know, low flying, must have been going 60 mile an hour kickball. Bird. Oh, a kickball. Yeah. Okay. Bullet. <laughs> yeah, bullet. Um, and it jammed my finger, yeah. and it, it hurt. Well, this is this kickball league that you've been in for years. Yeah, and it's, we just recently talked about how I stumbled into you playing kickball that one that's day. That's right. So and I've cut weird. up my legs, and like. I'm just saying you're lucky that your partner is still here and around to tell the tale. Well, I can't listen. stand hearing this whining considering I chopped the top of my finger I was just going to say this. Show, and you're like, oh get your ass on the I... stage. We were like, hope Wimp. you can make it. Yeah, no, I hear you. John man. was like, you, you should go to the ER. Today. And I was like, nope, showtime, let's go. <laughs> I know, that's true. I forgot that he chopped off the top finger. I know, you all finger. have finger problems. I'm nervous that something's going to happen to me now. I'm like next in do you line. Know how, do you know how upsetting this is as a lesbian? This is my this is my appendage, babe. This is how I live and work in the world. John, I, are you I, quitting? I, I don't know. I don't have a partner anymore. I, you what? quit. You quit. Oh after God, I, I said you that. meant your relationship, and I was like, um, what? Yeah, now she can't use her fingers now properly anymore. So now you guys know. Done. Yeah. Now you guys know the regime that I'm living under. Listen, before this show derails yes. and becomes something that sh- we shouldn't post, we do have a really exciting and this, different another shot that we should get to. That's true. Today's another shot is a little different because we've had the pleasure to talk to two actresses. Yes. Who are participating in um, two different sort of forms two of tri- crime two true shows. crime shows one is a sort movie. of a, a movie that's scripted but real sherry shepherd in the brian banks movie which guys you have to see that movie because honestly it, right? well i loved it but also yeah. just the innocence project right. features so heavily it's a true story you know i love a doc but i also love movies <laughs> that are based on true stories but yeah if you don't know about the innocence project just from us talking about it yeah 
you will want to donate all your fucking money to this organization after yeah. seeing the movie. Yeah, totally. And Sherry was so amazing. Uh, and to give her time to come in and talk to us was such an, an honor because I'm a huge fan of The View. Oh, yeah. So I love the Sherry Shepard years and I've loved all of her work, really. She crossed over with Rosie, right? I believe they did. I can't remember if they were on at the exact same time. or Because I know she you're a big a, Rosie fan. That's I why I'm asking. I love Rosie O'Donnell. Thank you for noticing. Um, but if anything, I know that they like either guested after they had hosted or something together. So there's been plenty of like Sherry and Rosie episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Along the way. And then the other one, tell us about the other is person. Is Gia Mantegna. Yeah, Mantegna. Um, and she is the daughter actually of Joe Mantegna, who is wildly popular, great actor. Godfather 3. Godfather 3. He was in Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds he yep. actually did that Lenny Bruce play that I took my mom to. Yeah, uh, he directed it. talked about that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was like, I think your dad did this. And then I looked it up right before and I was like, yeah, it is him. Um, and she is in this monstrously successful Snapchat show um, that has what, like 14, 14 million, million, whatever it's called, Dead Girls Detective Agency. Yeah. I have a feeling that the, the viewers are young um, yeah. because they're Snapchat. on Snapchat. So that feels right to me. But apparently the show is incredible. We talked to her about getting sort of being a noob in the true crime world. Yeah. And not just that, but like what it was like to film a crime mystery show yeah. on Snapchat, which is very different. I mean, you and I are, are Snapchat types, but yes. like I wouldn't ever think to like watch a TV show, but allegedly 14 million people think otherwise. So I need to get on it. And you're going to want to stick around for the interview because we ask her, well, first off we do dramatic reenactments, which you need to be here for, mm-hmm. but we do ask her what crime she wished she could solve. Uh, yeah. And her answer That's was a answer. little surprising considering how old she is. Right. So definitely stick around. Uh, let's get right into the interviews. Not yet. Fade to black. Fade to the black. dramatic readings will be inserted That's into right. the actual upcoming episodes. Will they be on this ep- at the end of this episode or no? Yeah. Okay. The dramatic readings will, but then... In again, future episodes. We'll, we'll later, they yeah. will act, oh, they're from, right. they're from future shows. episodes that we're working on yep. right now. Yep. I don't know when they're going to be published, but... And let's just say, yeah, John and true. I have a little contest, and G is the judge, and audience... Let us know Let us think. know what you think. Yeah. Let's get right into Who it. Who should win the Oscars? That's right. All that's right. right. Hi, guys. Oh, I'm excited about this episode. This is, this is going to be definitely one of the better ones. As uh, long as Sherry Shepard doesn't call me like little lady, like Nancy Grace, Nancy Grace I feel did. like we'll get a, I feel like we'll get along just fine. You yes. will not get called little lady. <laughs> not at all. That's like when people, you would call me adorable when I first moved to New York. Yeah, like cute. And um, I lived in, uh, I lived in the Trump building in, on the West Side. Oh, that's hilarious. And, uh, interesting, I know. And all of the, all of the occupants were like, you're so adorable. And I was like, no, that's for kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a cat. Don't call me adorable. That's right. That's we, and dogs. That's yeah. are adorable too. Like that's my pet peeve. Do not call me adorable. Oh I'm, I'm like I'm a grown ass woman. I know. Don't I used that. to hate being called cute. I'm like yeah. it just don't say anything at all. Yeah, don't say anything. Just at say all. funny. Exactly. It's, you're you're my girl, Sherry. <laughs> I can't um, relate to being called cute like that. So sorry, guys. You're you know okay, John. Saying? You're Thank okay. You. Yeah, and I'm not going to call you little lady. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine if you No, did, it's though. okay if you call him. Oh, okay, if I call you little lady. That's fine with me. Go little lady. We are, we are honored to have you in the studio. Thank you for having me. Talking about this insane, incredibly good movie, Thank Brian you. Banks. I mean, not only is it a great just 
film in general, but mm-hmm. the story right. is true and empowering. And yes. we have so many questions for you. Oh, absolutely. John, well, you want to kick it well, off? Just, what can you tell us about the movie? Why, if set up to the listener, like what sure. is the Brian Banks yeah. movie? Uh, Brian Banks was a 16-year-old high school football star slated to go to USC to play football. He was ranked number 11 in uh, nationally as a defensive linebacker. And a student in his high school accused him of rape. And at 16 years old, he was arrested and incarcerated. And the judge sentenced him to about six years in prison. Mm. And when he got out of prison, essentially it was another five and a half years of prison because he had the label of a pedophile. He could not get a job. His parole officer was on his butt all the time. He was falsely um, could, could falsely accused. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was his fight to clear his name, but the accuser actually contacted him on Facebook mm-hmm. and she admitted that she lied. He got together with her and videotaped her and she admitted on videotape that she had lied about the rape and he petitioned the California Innocence Project to represent him. They took him after a couple of years of him persisting and they got him exonerated. Wow. And he got to he got to still play for the Atlanta Falcons. It's such a story of triumph and yeah. letting go and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But he did lose 11 years of his life. Yeah. Uh, which is which is you know he's a victim in his own right. right. Um, we're we're constant advocates of the Innocence Project. I donate a lot of money to them, oh, and so this is just wonderful. perfect. This is in my wheelhouse. Okay. Um, you know, before you decided to take on the role of Brian yes. Banks's mother, did you know about the case? Where you know, where did you hear about it first? Interestingly enough. When I was co-hosting The View, we had Brian Banks on after he had gotten exonerated. Oh, So oh. Brian Banks actually came on to The View, and I remember a woman sitting in the audience, a little shy lady, and it was his mother. Oh, my And gosh. I got to talk to her then. Never in my wildest dreams that I think I would be playing this woman, you know, six years later. Right. But I did meet him then, but when I had, I had to fight to get the role. It was a really hard audition to get because, you know, my comedy background worked against me. Mm. Of course. And um, when I did book the role, I went to sit with her for a couple of hours, and she just talked to me about the love that she had for Brian and I said you are my shiro and because I have a son and she said no she's very shy and understated (laughs) Leomi and she said I didn't do what any mother wouldn't do I I just love my son but that love for her son is what made her drive three and a half hours to the prison and three and a half hours back every other week the love for her son she wrote a letter every uh, week to her son the love for her son caused her to mortgage her house that she had just bought Mm. she was a school teacher and sell her car to get him an attorney who later had convinced Brian to take a plea deal. And he asked the attorney, can I speak to my mother? He just turned 17 and he was told no because they were trying him as an adult. So her love just made him, kept him sane in mm-hmm. his darkest gave moments. It gave him hope and her faith. Yeah, that unconditional love is Absolutely. so important, especially when you're on the trial for your life, essentially. It is, and it, like a mother, that's that's some strong love, a mother's love. That's a ferocious kind of love. <laughs> Was it, it hard transitioning from comedy to a, not only a dramatic role, but like the ultimate kind of dramatic right. role yeah, considering it was a true story. Right. I, you know, I've always been yearning to to do drama, but you know, in Hollywood, if they see you as one type, yeah. it's very hard to break out of that box mm-hmm. into the drama. And it, it, I had a lot of no's, but it only takes one person to believe in you. And that was Tom Shadiak. And Tom wrote The Nutty Professor. He directed Eddie Murphy oh, in a yeah. lot of his movies. He directed Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty in a lot of his movies. So he knew how to work with stand-ups. And I had a few FaceTime auditions with him and he said, 
said, I knew I booked it when he said, you know, I had to sit on Eddie and I had to sit on Jim. I think I'm going to have to sit on you. And I was like, <laughs> sit on me. Do it. I've been asking for somebody to sit on me my whole life. I know how that sounds I'm going to take that blurb just myself yeah, and that'll is, be a headline. That will be the headline. This is the podcast it. for that. Yes, so exactly. I was like, fine. yes, I'm here. You're fine. But it took time to believe in me. Yeah. Because even Brian was like, I loved her on the Jamie Foxx show. <laughs> right. Playing my mom. It helped Brian because I look kind of like his mom. We share a lot of the the same features. But um, once he said yes, it was a little bit. But Tom was very adept in taking the comedic, the funny Sherry, and putting that on the shelf with the Mm -hmm. fine china and directing me to have bringing more of the pain out. How did that, how did you approach that in a, in this role? Cause it's a whole different routine, right? right? So yeah. like, how did you sort of approach filming and sort of, I guess, even learning the script? Like, was that a whole oh, different process for it you? It was so different from doing a comedy. Yeah. It's so different from being a comedian where you're playing the joke or you're playing right. the funny. It, it was sitting with Leomi for a few hours and Leomi is, she's about to get her master's degree. She's Good a smart her. cookie. Yeah. But like I said, she's very shy. She doesn't really like to talk about what she went through mm. and she carries pain like a blanket around her shoulders mm. because she couldn't protect her child right and it was a lot of guilt and so sitting in that of seeing this woman even though she smiles there's sadness yeah there's always sadness in her eyes the first time I really saw Leomi smile and be happy was at our premiere to see the love that Brian Banks her son was getting from everybody she truly was happy but you know, sitting up under her, she didn't smile a lot. It was kind of a forced smile. So you had to take in all of those little details. And then listening to Brian in the mornings, he would meet with Aldous Hodge, who played him, Mm -hmm. and I, and talk about how he felt during the scene, what he was going through, because it was all true. And he would talk about how much his mother meant to him. Mm -hmm. So the scene where the police broke in and put their knees in his back and dragged him off, he talked about the pain and how he, he was so scared all he could do was look towards his mother. So he would not watch Aldis and I film the scenes with being the mother and son. Really? He said it was too painful. Oh, my wow. goodness. So, like, during that scene, once he talked to Aldis and I, Aldis Hodge is such a phenomenal actor. When I was on my knees, because that was actually happening, Leomi yeah. was on her knees screaming um, when they Ugh. took her son from her at 16. That was her baby. Right. Aldis turned around and looked at me, and he said, Ma. And it was so heart-wrenching because these cops, the extras, wouldn't let me hug them. They wouldn't let me touch them. So that pain of thinking about the anguish of Leomi watching her baby being torn from her and her not knowing what was, was going on. I was just going to say, and not knowing the if not she'd ever knowing. see him again. Exactly. You know? yeah. And uh, it, was all, it was always living with that every single mm. day, you know. When, yeah. when mm-hmm. you were sitting with her, what was like the biggest surprise? Like what, what did you go in there thinking and then come out being like, oh my gosh, I was wrong about that? Or? I thought, I said to Leomi, you know, if they, you, you always think about what you would do. Yeah, in, right. in that situation. Totally. And I said, you know, if they had taken Jeffrey, my neck was moving. I was like, I would have, you know, <laughs> if the accuser, I would have jumped on the mama and I would have done oh this. My God. And she was so quiet and she said, Sherry, I, this was something that was so foreign to me. Yeah. Right. You know, I was a school teacher. I put my son in every sport there was to keep him out of trouble. And this still happened. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with the cops. Right. The girl and her mother were involved in gangs and, uh, you know, they would all show up in court with all of the, their uncles and cousins with tattoos. I didn't know what to do. And she was so quiet and it kind of, I was like, but that's Sherry. This is not Leomi. So right. it was that kind of, of looking at how she handled. So her strength was a quiet strength, yeah. not a big roar. 
it was a quiet strength. How did you get to know Brian through all of this? Oh. I mean, you had mentioned you had met him before. And he was but, on set, obviously, but... But, like, did you get to, like, sort of get to know him and have a relationship with him Absolutely. in any way? That's great. Yeah, Brian was, he was very involved. He was the one, he got Aldous Hodge all bulked, bulked up. Yeah. You know, he trained <laughs> Brian's him. Brian's a big guy, by the way. Yeah, he was supposed <laughs> to play football. Right. Yeah, football. Right, exactly. He's a big man. Yeah, yeah. And he's like a big teddy bear. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't do anything but smile, and so... <laughs> He was there on set every single day. And in between takes, I would just talk to him. Right. You know, and we would just have conversation. And you ask him questions like, Brian, you technically have the right to be so bitter, but mm. you're not. And he would explain about how you let things go and how it takes control of your mind and eats at your spirit and what he was going through. And I couldn't help but have the utmost admiration for this man, it's amazing. you know, because his purpose in life and, uh, you know, ostensibly his calling from God was to yeah. be a pro football player. Right. But when that was ripped away from him, like, what do you have? Right. And I think he's actually changing the world more than say, he would have if he was a pro player. I was just thinking. No, that. he is. Because yeah. when I watched the movie, I mean, I think I said to you at the time, yeah. I was like, why am I complaining about anything that's about going on in my anything. life? <laughs> why am I complaining that my lunch is late? Exactly. I, yeah. I am dumb. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, these are the people that are really suffering that are going through you something. You and I were in the same body. Yeah, I, I was like, so inadequate right. as a person. Because I think I came in one day and was like, where's my wig again? Yeah. I ain't got no good wig. Y'all not gonna give me, what, what is my, and then you talk to Brian, you're like, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. He's like, I was in prison for a yeah, week. I was in prison. Yeah, it's like, oh, a well, wig, what's a wig? But where's my wig? Yeah, yeah right, exactly. It sounds it's like so petty. Petty. It does. And you got to know him. He's a life coach. He goes around, he's on the board with the Innocence Project. He fights for people who have no voice. And I should mention, too, he was on a show on Oxygen, actually, yeah. called Final Appeal. He was, Final and Appeal. And that's where I had met him once previously as well. So he's doing a lot of good work Absolutely. Out there. I'm curious as to you and the Brian Banks story in and yeah. of itself and how it sort of corresponds with the Me Too movement and sure. everything that's happening right now. What do you hope that the audiences take away from this movie? And maybe right. what do you learned yourself? Well, it's very interesting because the, his Melanie Liebird from uh, This Is Us plays a love interest in the movie yes. and it's she's it's two characters that kind of made up her in the movie and she had been sexually assaulted in college mm. and nobody believed her and oh, which happens quite frequently oh, to yeah. yes. young women and it was really interesting how it was very hard for her to hear uh, Brian's story because of what she had gone through but when they both sat down and talked they came to help together to help each other heal and I think that this movie shines more of a spotlight on the judicial system, the failing of the justice system. Yeah. More than, okay, who was lying and who wasn't. Right. It's about the justice system just failed Brian Banks as a 16-year-old, from the parole officer to the police department to the DA to the judge. Had they done their due diligence and just walked the hallways because he was... One of the, the charges was kidnapping. Right. They would have seen that in order to kidnap yeah. this girl, you had to go past a ton of classrooms. She would have been kicking and screaming. She would have been kicking and yeah. screaming. And I think it was that failure of the justice system that just is a big one, where I hope that this film will encourage people to use their voices to change the judicial system. Yeah. It's like when they see us, the film, when they see us. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at, you know, you elect the vice president and you know about the president. But what do you know about the DA or the judge? What's their conviction rate? Who do they convict the most? Who, right. who are they taking money from to further their interests? I think that's the work that we have to do because God forbid your child get in front of one of those officials. Oh, man. You want to know, know that you elected an official that is going to represent your interests. 
Yeah. I, that's a scary thought. Absolutely. And how do you think that maybe the racial divide played in his case? Do you think it would have changed if he were a white guy? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you see where prisons make up the bulk are, are men of color. Right. And uh, like Brian says, there's not, in, men of color make up 16% of the population, but in, in the prisons, it's over 60%. Yeah, right. So there's definitely a disparity there. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. You have to look at the conviction rates of these judges and the DAs. So I definitely think that played a part in it. And maybe it played a part in them not doing their due diligence because you had a 16-year-old that had great grades. It was uh, had a full scholarship he was he had a scholarship to 150 schools he was ranked 11th in the nation as a defensive linebacker this is not your typical kid right that would be incarcerated right and nobody did any kind of investigation at all so i definitely think yeah it was a there was some color had something to do with it yeah yeah i mean the woman who accused him was was black as she was well black, yeah what happened to her? Like, what's her life like now? Oh, wow. Uh, Zosha Rockamore from the movie Precious, uh, my co-star because I was in Precious with her, mm-hmm. did a phenomenal job of bringing humanity to this woman. Yes. But she sued, her and her mother sued the Long Beach School District. They got a million and a half dollar settlement because they said the school was not safe and did not protect the daughter. Right. When Brian was exonerated, the Long Beach School District sued her and got like a $2.1 million settlement. But they abs- they disappeared. They ran oh. through their money in about a year, and then they just disappeared off the face of the earth. I feel like they probably so, have to, right? Because, yeah, because yeah. it was so big. Uh, right. They played her confession that she lied over the news, and um, you can Google her, but she's nowhere to be found. And a lot of people want to know, well, was she charged? It, the yeah. statute of limitations had run out, mm. so no, she couldn't be charged. Does Brian feel, did you get the sense that Brian feels like at peace with that? He absolutely does. Like he just says, yeah. you know, far be it for me to tell somebody to let it go and forgive. And well, you got right. it. Yeah. yeah like, totally. you, like again, with that kind Hold of thing, on to it if you, want. you feel so <laughs> hip- hypocritical when you're like, you got to let it go. Yeah. You, gotta, you know, right. I, my love, my shoe today and yeah. I, I had to let go, <laughs> you know, um, but he actually has. He says, it's not that I've forgiven. I've removed myself from yeah. that situation. Exactly. And I don't think about I don't give her my energy. And so just to learn from him about letting go, you were in solitary for 60 days mm. at 17 years old. No, you know, how do you let how go of that? How do you overcome that? that? How do you yeah. overcome that? And right. he, he really, Brian will give you some deep stuff about it's really your mind. We're you going to have him in on Friday. So <gasps> yeah, we oh, I cannot in. wait we got all these questions meet Brian. Yeah, do you have any amazing. messages for Brian? We can yeah. Yeah. He knows I love him. You know, okay. It's so funny because when he sees me, he's like, hi, mom. And I'm like, okay, we're done with the movie. You see his long hair? Do you see how cute Come on, I'm not your mama no more. I mean, you can call me mama, but he's That's like, "Come amazing. pick me up, Sherry. Come, yeah. Yeah. Come help me, Sherry." He's so great because um, my son Jeffrey. I text Brian all the time, and I say, "Jeffrey, how do I do this with Brian?" Brian is Jeffrey's going through this, you know, thing being a teenager. I was going to ask yeah. how this movie influences you as a parent, knowing that oh, you know what I mean. There's so much sort it's of hard to think for about. me yeah. because I have a little black boy, right? And my son has these unique challenges, and he's 14, but he he acts like a 10-year-old. But his voice is deep, and he looks like he's 14 or 15. And so every day he goes out, I'm praying, but it scares me. Yeah. Right. And it's it's really terrible that I have to explain to Jeffrey, who goes and he hugs police officers when he sees them, Mm. that you have some people that might not like you because of your skin color. And if you ever have any problems with the police, you say, I have to call my mom. But he calls me mommy. So you have to say, Jeffrey, you have to ask, tell them I wanted to call my mommy. Right. And he doesn't understand, and he says, I don't 
don't want to talk about it. It makes my stomach hurt. Mm. So he's seen some of the trailers. And it it really was affecting him to see me on my knees screaming, my son is innocent. That was such a powerful moment, It was, but I am going to take him to see it. I think it will be very hard for him, but I think he needs to see. It's important important for him to see. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and to your earlier point, just about... Brian being this just like effervescent man after yes. all this terrible shit has really happened yeah. to him. Um, you know, we always say on the show that the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And, mm-hmm. and and for him, I feel like if he put hate on her, that would crush him inside. You yeah. know what I mean? It absolutely like, would. He just needed to step out of that situation and, and, and give back to I people. I think Brian can tell you, and his mom would say the same thing, you know, when you hold on to it, it eats at your spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forgiveness and letting go is not for the other person. It's really for you absolutely. to move forward in life. Yep. And like I said, even Leomi, I asked Leomi, uh, one of the questions I said, was, weren't you mad at her? Like, she, your son was in prison. Right. And she said, no, Sherry, I felt sorry for her in this very quiet voice. Wow. And she said, I felt that she was being manipulated by a lot of people around her. Mm. And she would see, she said, I would sit in court and I would watch them tell her, don't say anything. And I felt sorry for her. Yeah. That's another bit of love from this woman. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of explains Brian in a way that to know that this is the person that influenced him. Absolutely. Absolutely. His mother. You do sort of wonder if they didn't get that million and a half dollars when they sued. Yeah. Would she have come forward sooner with her? You know, no. She was very much controlled by her mom. Yes. It seems that in the movie for sure. Yeah, it was. And so I just thought, Leomi, for you to even not harbor any resentment towards the woman that accused your son but literally to feel empathy mm-hmm. for a woman it just I, I was like okay you are a hero she's right. like I'm not <laughs> no we could all take a page from her book Definitely. though for sure yeah. I mean the world would just be a touch better Such if a better all place. of us had that I think in that's a- why this movie I didn't mean to cut you off I'm no, sorry no please I think why this movie Brian Banks is also important because we are in a time where it's so much despair and frustration and hatred and just mm-hmm. so much negativity going on. And so to see a movie like this and to see how this man, actually a young man triumphant, yeah. how he just triumphed and how it's hope yep. and it's healing and it's joy. Literally by the end of the movie, you want to you want to stand up and scream and shout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need films like that also that that, you know, give that so you can walk out of the theater going, yeah. I believe in the humanity of people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's Absolutely. good people out there. There's that good do people exist. out there. I mean, because a lot of people's hearts were changed in that movie in the justice system. Yeah. Right. To exonerate Brian Banks. Right. And that's exactly why the Innocence Project is as effective and as amazing Can as I it that, is. That Justin like, Brooks of the Innocence Project. I shout is them out gym. every she single. She really does. She's yeah. He doesn't take um he doesn't take money for himself. Right. He literally does this. He cares about people. If you're around Justin Brooks and Greg Kinnear play Justin Brooks. Right. You get in, inspired all over again. Mm-hmm. Like you around Justin, you want to quit your job. <laughs> like one of the things I want right. to do is quit my job and go on the road with Tina Turner. Like <laughs> and Charlie Wilson of the Gap Band. I want to be a backup dancer for J Lo. You I want Shoot for the stars. Shoot for the stars and follow my behind. Right. I'm telling you. Exactly. But you around Justin Brooks yeah. from the Innocence Project and you literally I want to quit my job and study law. Yeah. yeah. Like Amen I do. To that. I do. I just want to carry a briefcase. Well I think you would be an amazing lawyer. Yeah, I would, you know I, mess with I, would, you I would hire you for whatever happens to me. That's the right. judge would always be like, if you don't stop moving your neck, okay, stop <laughs> it, stop it. Okay. But if you make the jury so laugh, funny. you're, you're, if you're I make the jury laugh. Exactly. You're in it, Sherry. Y'all are really seriously. Yeah. <laughs> 
For real. Y'all gonna believe this. Yeah. And then you need your trial wig. You know, I need my trial wig. wig. I think she, it would be a successful endeavor. You should look into it. I don't know. Oh my I God. If I don't book any yeah. more gigs. That exactly. Right. Maybe, maybe Sherry Shepard, thank you so much thank for taking you. the thank time to talk about this much. incredible movie that I'm everyone excited. needs to see. And I'm Brian very... Banks, the movie is in theaters on August 9th. Go see it. Sherry, we love you. We Please love come you. Back. Yes. I would love to. Awesome. You're going to represent me in court. Yes. I would, girl. We're getting in trouble. We're going to get in we, trouble we, on yeah, We're going to get in trouble, but <laughs> I'm going to put up a good fight. <laughs> All right. Thanks, thank you Sherry. so much, Sherry. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, welcome to Martinis and Murder. Special yes. episode, right? It's a very special episode. We are being joined today by Gia Mantegna or Mantegna? Montagna works for me. All right, Montagna. Montagna is so sexy, darling. <laughs> I love it. From Dead Girls Detective Agency on Snapchat. And the new season is out now, I believe, right? Yeah, the, we're on our third season now. Oh, my God. Congratulations. That's so exciting. We don't really have seasons. We're just podcast into the ether and hope that someone will we recognize. Hope someone listens. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but Gia, thank you so much for being here. Just to, we wanted to, you know, talk to you about a little bit about your career, actually. How did you get into acting? Oh, well, I mean, I kind of grew up in a family of carny folk, I like to say. Um, <laughs> like circus people might be, be a better description, but... We just, you know, I, I was raised around lots of artists and actors and creators, and it was just sort of a natural progression for me to to delve into that because it was, I wasn't really equipped for anything else, to be incredibly honest. I was one of those kids that wasn't very good in school academically, and I was just drawn to the arts and photography and, and acting and, and singing and performing was just sort of in my blood, and it was something that I, I just had to do. Do you know any good carny tricks? <laughs> no, just, just other than just being a complete ham. Yeah, the need of, of for attention and to want to make people laugh. We relate. We relate, we relate to, to it. To yes. That. Well, yes. another thing too is your dad is rather famous, right? As an actor. Yeah, yeah. I, you could say that. I think yeah. a lot of people of my generation aren't really aware of who he is, but um, yeah, he's been in film and television since I think he well he started in theater. Uh, yeah. But he's been he's been at it pretty much his entire life, and and now he's you know the ripe old age of seventy something, and he's he's still working and still <laughs> passionate about it. He did a Lenny Bruce um, off Broadway play, and I took my mom to it, and it was it was a one man show. I think I told you about yeah, this. Yeah, you John. were telling me it was so good. Like riveting, and I didn't think that a one-man show could be as—I mean, even Lenny Bruce—but just so well done. And you know, you can tell your dad I saw it. I will. No, that that really means a lot. It's something that you know he he was on Criminal Minds for fourteen years. Yeah. And um, now that that's come to a close, he's been really putting a lot of his energy into directing that one-man show with Ronnie Marmo, and it's just been received so well. I think they might be going to Chicago next. He's really proud of it. And and like you said, going into it, you're wondering, how, is, how are they going to pull this off? How is this going to be engaging watching one guy on stage acting like Lenny Bruce the entire time? It's truly fantastic. I think they did a great job. It's absolutely. You did mention he was on Criminal Minds. So, and he, that was as far back as, what, 2007. Do you think that him being on that show maybe sort of inspired you with your with your show, Dead Girls Detective Agency, in any way? <laughs> Um, I guess it definitely falls into a similar genre. Uh, yeah. Definitely that, that show is not as um, teenage drama driven. Oh. Ours is definitely more playful and follows 
it's almost like a soap opera, we like to think of it, because of all of the characters being intertwined with one another and trying to solve a murder. But yeah, it's, it is similar, definitely. Every episode kind of ends with a cliffhanger and wanting to know who did it. And, and the whole season is, each season is pretty much trying to figure out who killed which character. So the first, first, and second seasons were all about my character and figuring out how she died and who killed her and why they killed her. And then uh, the next season, season three, we introduce new characters where my character then decides to stay behind and help other teens solve their murders. And, oh, wow. and then she kind of becomes the head of the, the investigating team, so to speak. <laughs> well, it's a wildly successful Snapchat series. I mean, season one and season two had 14 million unique viewers, which is incredible numbers, numbers we don't see in cable uh, TV outside of maybe the Super Bowl now. Um, Why do you think that the show, outside of the incredible acting and like the story design seemed great, why do you think it's done so well? Because certainly on our podcast, you know, true crime and uh, obviously working at Oxygen has just been this behemoth of a genre. Uh, Do you sort of attribute that to the Dead Girls Detective Agency's success or do you think it's something completely different? I mean, I think it's the, the fact that it's on Snapchat to begin with was something that we were all a little trepidatious uh, about in the beginning because it had never been done before. No one really understood how they could take a crime drama and make it translate seamlessly onto an app that has, you know, 15 seconds worth of, of footage. The way that the show is written, the way that it's edited together, it's... It's fast paced. It's super concentrated. Um, it, it, it works. It completely works. And then when you combine that with um, the generation that is has grown up with technology and understands how that works and, and quite honestly is just a little bit um, can get distracted easily, it it allows the viewer to kind of feel like they're in the moment with the characters watching the yeah. show because it moves so quickly. And in normal television, when you watch a crime drama, you have those spaces, you have the air in between scenes that can kind of allow for more drama and and more seriousness and more suspense. But because it's on the Snapchat platform, we were able to really pace it up and make it more, just more fast paced and more fun and more, more teen oriented because the age demographic for Snapchat is much, much younger than cable television so we were able to reach those 14 million unique viewers because those are the people that are on snapchat well and also you know you make such a great point about just the differences in the way people consume their entertainment now you also starred in the abc comedy series the middle um what was it like doing a show on snapchat versus you know a regular network television show were there any main differences whether it was your acting or, or how even, they film it or how they filmed it like what was that like for you oh it was it was a drastic change really um, it was something that i had never experienced before and i don't think any of the other actors had experienced it either i've never shot vertically because the show is right. on mobile device so are you more aware of like your body and like what kind of motions you're doing, I guess? Everything that I had known up until that point <laughs> was basically useless. <laughs> well, that's a good place to be as We an feel actor. that every day, Gia, yeah. every day. It, it really was. It was, it was 
completely different because you know when you're watching it on 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 a mobile device it's a different experience so right. filming it vertically made it completely different there was basically no personal space within the scenes with other actors um because people aren't crowded around a tv watching it mm. there's less space to uh, create the scene because it's just one person watching the show in their hands. So naturally we have to make that much smaller and much easier to digest. So we can't pack people into scenes that has to be cut together a certain way. Right. Uh, the playing within each shot, you really can't, you can't have more than three actors in a shot. Otherwise we're, we're literally standing right. on top of each other. Having new people come in and looking at their faces going, what is happening? Is this good? Like, how is it good? <laughs> Work. It was amazing and really satisfying to show them, no, trust me, watch, when you see this, you're not going to believe how great it looks. And <laughs> that's what happened to me season one. I kind of went on set thinking, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. <laughs> until day three, when they showed me some dailies that I saw, oh, this is, this is cool. This is awesome. And it was beautifully shot. I mean, the same attention to lighting and and props the set design it it was done just as artfully as as if it would be done for an indie film or a big budget tv show yeah well and those teens pay attention like yes, they, they will spot out an inconsistency in two <laughs> seconds whereas and, the old timers over here we just want to be entertained yeah in case you weren't aware uh we do a true crime podcast called martinis <laughs> and murder that you've been on and you're sort of on a true crime show right now have you do you have an interest in the true crime space or are you sort of new to this entire world I am completely, I'm completely new to this world. The closest I've come to any true crime is obviously, um, you know, watching Criminal Minds on the couch with my family. Mm -hmm. um, I can't watch it alone. And any sort of, I love documentaries and any sort of true crime documentary, I am all about it. I have listened to every podcast. I've watched every documentary about any crime um, like making a murder and things like that. I just find it really fascinating. And so being able to be a part of like a fictional version of that for, for teens is really fun. And even though the subject matter is pretty heavy, it's still very lighthearted and colorful and exciting. That's how we feel about our show. Yeah. yeah. If you could solve one murder case that hasn't been solved, what would you want to solve? Yeah. What's your like go to when you go to sleep and you're thinking about a yeah. case? Natalie, what's death? Are you kidding me? Oh, Natalie, what? Uh, that's a that great one. Yep. Oh my God, that's so... It keeps me up at night. Yeah. Listen, it sounds like you're new to the true crime world, but you're you're in you're here with your family now. You know what I mean? We welcome you. We welcome you. you into this world. It's pretty dark, but it's the nicest <laughs> community you'll ever be a part of. It is actually. I, I can't I would imagine. But speaking of blending communities, so all right, you're new to the true crime space. We're somewhat <laughs> experts in this. You're an expert actor. We are awful. And one of the things that we do on our podcast is when we're reading our script, we sometimes have like police dispatches or mm -hmm. calls that have happened and we record it. And then John and I do this like dramatic reading. And I was wondering if we could do a dramatic reading with you um, and you tell us, well, you're going to do one with me and one with John and you tell us a, how we could be better and who's the better uh, actor. actor here. Yeah. Oh my, do I, I mean, let's do it. All right, let's do it. <laughs> So who am I again? You're going to be dispatcher in reading one and then the detective in reading two. Okay. 
And you guys, okay, and you're the other person, and then yeah. I have to de- I have to determine who was the best. Exactly. After we both go. Yeah, so we'll both do reading one first with you, and then you decide, and then we'll both do reading two with you. Exactly. Great. All right, reading one. I'll go first. Okay. With reading Darren one. Darren first. Um, are you ready, Gia? I'm ready. Okay. Kitsap 911, what are you reporting? I've got a fire. Everything is just flaring up. Son of a bitch. Windows are blowing out. Do you know if everyone's out of the house? No, they're not. Scene. Okay. Okay. Gee, so- I felt I was warming up. I was warming up. You feel me now. All right. All right. Should John. I go next? Yeah, John. All right. Ready when you are, Gia. Kids at 911. What are you reporting? I've got a fire. Everything is just flaring up. Son of a bitch. Windows are blowing out. Do you know if everyone's out of the house? No, they're not. Scene. Gia? <laughs> I love that she's laughing at She's laughing at me. Scene. Is that a good or a bad thing? Do people on set say scene I'm once sure the scene don't. is done? All right, Gia. Who did bet? Who do you believe that the house is on fire? Who gets the Oscar for f- the first reading here? Honestly, John, you had higher stakes. It was fantastic. So I get the Oscar. You're saying? Wow, Gia, that's that's anti-female. Yes, that's okay, yes. Gia. This I is, never win anything on the show. I've been robbed. I've been robbed. Now you go first with reading too. Yes, Gia. You need. We need to just read the words. There was a fire, and I think you were just a little casual about it. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was just like, I was just warming up. Gee, I have more in me. Trust me, I have more in me. All right, I'm going to go first for the second reading, and then that'll give Darren and uh, you're going to you know. be Angela. Okay, John, I'll be you're Angela. Angela. All right, let me know when you're ready, Gia. Who's Angela? You're. Angela? I'll be Angela for this, for and you're going to be the detective, Gia. Yeah. Yep. Great. <laughs> okay, right. I'm ready. All right, I have not read this yet, yeah, so this go is going to be fun. If you right. fuck up, that's it, John. All right. Allison had head lice again. <laughs> that's why he was pissed. He saw it when he was getting in his car, and I was bitching at him and hollering at him, and he said he was going to leave, and I told him to go ahead, and then he left. You told us he did call after he left Wednesday evening? Once. And what did he say when he called? I said, please come home. And he said, I'll be home in a little while. So you guys will go look for him then? Yes, we'll start to contact his other friends and relatives. Scene. Her voice is so much better than anything that we could ever do. We need to like call in Gia to do all of our reenactments. It's almost like she's a uh, paid actor, right? Almost. Yeah, 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 it's almost like you should do this for a living, Gia. You should really consider this. Okay, Gia, Darren's up. All right, I'm Angela. You ready? All right, let's do it, Angela. Allison had head lice again. That's why he was pissed. He saw it when she was getting in his car. And I was bitching at him and hollering at him. And he said he was going to leave. And I told him to go ahead. And then he left. You told us he did call after he left Wednesday evening? Once. And what did he say when he called? I said, please come home. And he said, I'll be home in a little while. So you guys will look for him then. Yes, we'll start to contact with our friends and relatives. Scene. Gia? Ooh, this one's, I Gia? feel, a tougher because we both took creative liberties, but Gia, what do you think? This is this is a really tough one. Um, I go two for two? Can I I'm go crying. two for I'm two? crying here, Gia. I know that, you know, John, you did flub the line a little bit. I did, I know. <laughs> I admit, yes, thank you. It was, um, it's a little dense with okay. um, context because we don't really know what's going on, so that, that flub really, it, it was a problem. It, it, we needed shit, that, shit, shit, shit. we needed that background to make sense of what was happening. Damn and it. 
Okay. I'm sorry. I think Darren, you really oh, took this one. Oh man, home. you weren't full enough, Angela, for Gia. I so <laughs> I take the Angela prize. Yes. I, I'm very happy we for could. Real, and you were believing what you were saying, unlike the fire that you did not. Believe. <laughs> <laughs> unlike the fire. fire. Yeah, that's fair. I'm more of an Angela than a fire anyway. Yeah, I think that's this fair. This is you. I've got oh. a lot. Gia, thank you so You're much. You're amazing, Gia. We love you. Thank you so much for entertaining us and making us feel like we have some semblance of some skill yeah. somewhere. So yeah. thank you so much. You did a great job. Thank you, guys. Uh, th- or thank you, Gia. And guys, make sure you check out Dead Girls Detective Agency on oh, yeah. Snapchat. New and season is out now. Yeah. Watch Gia in action. Will you come back on the show and read with us maybe sometime in the future? Maybe if you're around New York City, potentially? Absolutely. I'd love to. I'd actually like to see your faces. So. Yes. Oh, we're much worse looking than you think. <laughs> Trust us. We're not on Snapchat. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> we need filters. Yeah, we need the filters. Thank you, Gia. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, All right, guys. Bye. I mean, two glorious women, right? What? I mean, it's just so it's so interesting because they're both in different places in their right. careers per se. Um, but yeah, and such different meaning. Like one is about a really intense, true totally. story, and the other one is like a mystery, a scripted mystery. So Do it's really fun. You think that Gia felt bad and like split up yeah. the votes one to <laughs> one. You know what I mean? Do you think she was like, I got to give each of them one? Well, maybe, like, but I do think I deserve the Oscar for the first one. Yes. I, I knew what to do in the event of a fire. You did. I was a better Angela though. I feel like I yeah. channeled my Angela better than you. And as she said, I flubbed my line and yeah. you can't do that and win an Oscar. So I think she, it's fair. She judged fairly, fairly. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. her feedback was too genuine and it was like That's acting true. school. She definitely paid, really I know. You guys like, got schooled. Yeah, and did. she was also clearly a cut above uh, in uh, terms of delivering her lines. How dare you? Yeah, that's, dare that's you? insulting, Matt. I have an Oscar. Yeah, right. We have a wildly successful <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and okay? an Oscar from Gia. Okay? Yeah, exactly. God, what a dick. Well, we hope you guys love this episode. I know it's not our traditional Another Shot, but we like mixing it up from time to time. Yeah, also, you know, you and I stopped being interesting last week, that's so we true. have absolutely nothing to say anymore. Nope, not at all. That's it. We'll see you Sunday. Bye. Bye.